where, where better to start than with introductions? And uh, Mark had told me that I would get the clicker and I forgot to grab it from him. So if, Mark, you want to do the honors for me, I'd appreciate it. Um, I wanted to start off this morning with just an introduction of who I am, um, share my testimony. Uh, I love hearing people's testimonies. And over the, the next several months, it is my wife and I's hope to be able to have as many as possible out to the house and have a meal and, and hear what God has done in your life, where you're from, what, what he has uh, led you through and guided you through and drawn you to himself in. Um, but I know that that can be challenging and a little bit scary. So I'm going to start off and just share my testimony, who I am, uh, where I where I'm from, etc. This is a little bit of my just basic data. My name is Isaac Jack. Um, that's my phone number. You're welcome to give me a call, text anytime. I don't always answer it or look at it for a while because I just don't, but uh, I am available. I'm sure we'll get that in the bulletin eventually, but if you want to write that down, you're welcome to it. Um, I am 37 years old, married with five kids. My wife, Tiffany, she'll wave and then the five kids with her are ours. I don't expect you to know all of their names yet. Um, I would ask that you also not expect me to know everybody's name. Um, I have been introduced to quite a few, and I've forgotten many of them. I'm sorry. So please bear with me as I try to learn um, everyone's name. But uh, <clears throat> my favorite verse is 2 Timothy 2. 2. Um, and I always... I say that that's my favorite, and then I pause because I can't ever remember how it starts. (laughs) Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. That's verse 1. And the things that you've heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. I, I am a fan of the idea that God gave us his word, not just for us, for my own head knowledge, but so that I can share it with someone else and so that they can share it with someone else, and so that it can continue. And so that's, that's one of my favorite verses and one of my goals. Um, let's see. Make sure I don't lose track of myself too much. So my testimony. Um, I was blessed to grow up in a Christian family. Uh, my dad was saved as like early teenage years, somewhere in there, and from that moment on, he made it his goal in life to know Christ and to make him known, to be a, a follower of Christ. And as a result, I was so blessed. Um, we grew up in a good, solid, uh, independent Baptist church where you know, the word of God was proclaimed constantly. Um, pretty much every time the doors were open, I was there. Most of the time, it was because my dad, as a, as a deacon, was the one opening the doors. And so I got to be at church all the time. And I'll admit, as a kid, sometimes that was a challenge because, you know, I was drugged to every service and every deacon's meeting. Well, we, we would play while the deacons would meet, and I was drugged to, I mean, everything. But looking back, I was so blessed by that um, because God was able to use that in my life in a lot of ways. When I was about five years old, my brother got saved. I have one older brother. Um, He was saved, and everybody was so excited about it. So, being the younger brother, I thought to myself, well, everybody's excited for him. I want everybody excited about me. I want to get saved. But I had no clue what they were talking about. Thankfully, my parents had enough discernment to realize, you know, Isaac, you, you don't understand. That's okay. Give it some time. Think about it, pray about it. We'll, we'll continue teaching you, and one day you'll be ready. 
And I, I am so thankful that they had that level of discernment to not give me a false assurance or a false hope or anything. Um, but as a five-year-old, six-year-old kid, I wasn't very excited because nobody paid attention to me when, with that answer, but everybody was paying attention to my brother. Well, I got over it, and uh, about a year later, somewhere in there, um, at one Sunday afternoon after church, I had questions. I knew, I knew things weren't right, and so I began talking to my dad, and uh, he, he recognized that God was, was working in my heart. And so he, he took me aside, and we, we got together in, the, in my parents' bedroom, and he explained to me the gospel. He explained to me that I was a sinner, that as under my own power and my own ability, there was nothing I could do about that. But God, who's rich in mercy because of his great love for us, came and, and paid the penalty for my sin so that I could have a relationship with Christ. And, and so as Dad explained that to me, um, I accepted Christ as my Savior that day. Knelt down by their bed, and uh, I don't know the, the exact day, but I know that I put my trust and faith in Christ. Well, over the years, um, I continued to grow up. I continued to be involved in the church and do different things. Messed up like a normal kid. I mean, you know, it was, it was normal life. Um, until I was about 14 years old. And I, I went every summer to a summer camp, Whispering Winds Bible Camp. And I went as a camper most of the time, but one year, the general director asked me, hey, we need some, some extra help. Would you be willing to come wash dishes? Sure, that's, that's great, I can do that. Uh, so I got to work a couple of weeks at summer camp. And it was a great experience. You know, it was, it was fun. I had fun with my friends. I got to do all kinds of stuff. Well, that Saturday, between the two weeks that I worked, um, God really got a hold of my heart. And he said, you know what, Isaac? You, you got saved, and that's, that's wonderful. But, but it's not supposed to end there. It's not just that you get saved. It's that you live your life for me. That you have a relationship that's constantly growing and developing with me. And so it was, it was that summer, that Saturday afternoon, that you know, I dedicated my life to whatever it was that God wanted me to do. Now, at, at 14, if you remember back then, you have no clue what you're going to do with your life. You may have some dreams and ideas and thoughts, but, but in reality, you don't know what it is. And so that day, I wrote God a blank check. And I said, you know what, God? Whatever it is, wherever it is, Whenever it is, even the, the deepest, darkest, coldest, frozen parts of Oregon, I'm okay with that. Whatever. <laughs> I think Pastor Jack did the same thing. That's why he ended up here. But anyway, um, <clears throat> I committed my life to serving Christ at that point. Now, like I said, I was, I was 14 years old, not real sure what that's going to look like. So I began talking to my mentors and, and leaders and trying to figure out, okay, what am I supposed to do? And God led me to go to Appalachian Bible College. So, you know, as a teenager, I'm getting all my stuff ready. I'm getting ready to go to college. And he's like, wait, wait, not yet. Well, to me, that's like, wait, but I thought you wanted me to go. And, and God's like, no. Yes, I, I do imagine the full conversation. No, God, I don't think God audibly speaks to us in that way. But in my head, I, I run through the conversation. And so I'm arguing with God. I'm like, God, but you said go to ABC. I know, but wait. But, but God, I want to go. I mean, I want to serve you. Don't you want me to? Just trust me. But God, uh, trust me. Okay. And so instead, 
my wife's laughing at me. She remembers this part of the story. So instead, uh, instead of going to Appalachian Bible College, where I dreamed of, where I thought that that's exactly what God wanted me to do, I went to Labette Community College, which is a small uh, local county college in Kansas, southeast Kansas. That's where my dad worked. So I got a scholarship to go there, uh, which was kind of nice. And uh, I went for my business administration um, associate's degree. And so I'm, I'm there because I don't know, you know, I thought I was going to go to Appalachian Bible College, study to be a camp director, and that's all that I would do. Well, God had better plans because I went to uh, Labette Community College, LCC, and it was there that... Um, I met Tiffany, my wife-to-be. Now, obviously, she wasn't my wife yet, but that's where I met her. And uh, during my two years there, we got to know each other, got to work together in um, a Christian club and a uh, couple of other clubs there at the school and doing a bunch of different things. Got to know each other, and we got married. And then God said, okay, I told you, wait for me, and it'll be great. Now go to ABC. So at that point, uh, she and I got married in June of 2005, and in August, we moved out to West Virginia to attend Appalachian Bible College. Um, we spent the next four year, five years there, um, and I joined the Army Reserves as well. I was a chaplain's assistant during that time. And so it, it took me a little bit longer than some to make my way through college, but we both ultimately managed to graduate from there. Um, she got her teaching degree, and I studied uh, pastoral theology and camp ministry. <clears throat> well, as we were getting ready to graduate, we're trying to decide, okay, what are we supposed to do now? You know, what's the next step? Where are we going? I had committed my life to serving Christ, but I had no idea what the next step was. Well, the motto there at ABC is that life is for service. And that's, that's something that I fully agree with. Um, I believe that God has given each of us a, a role and a responsibility to serve him in different ways. The challenge is to find what that is that God wants us to do. Well, God's timing is perfect, once again, and we're, we were trying to figure out what to do, where to go, and um, we ended up going back to Kansas. My folks lived on a small family farm out there, and uh, we moved back to the farmhouse because my grandmother had just passed away a uh, few months before. And so the, the farmhouse was available. We moved there. And I'm, I'm like, okay, God, where are you wanting us to go? What are we supposed to do? I thought, I thought when I graduate that I'm going to go be in ministry and doing all kinds of cool stuff. And it's going to be great. And, and now I'm just going back to the family farm. I mean, I love the family farm. That's great. But what am I supposed to be doing? Well, we got there. Uh, I graduated in May. We moved in June. In July, we found out that we were having our second daughter, Lizka. And a couple days, maybe a week later, uh, I got a call from the U.S. Army. Congratulations, you have been involuntarily transferred for purposes of deployment. Now, if you've ever been in the military or know anything about it, they like to do what they do regardless of anything else. Here I was with a one-year-old and a uh, had just heard that we were having our second child, just barely getting moved in, just getting settled, and it's time for me to go halfway around the world to Iraq. Great. And yet God's timing and God's ways are perfect because he had just moved us right next door to my folks. And so during the entire pregnancy, my wife was able to rely on them because I was gone. 
they were able to help take care of her and get everything going. Um, I was able to be home for 10 days right after Lizka was born, and then I was in Iraq for nine months before I saw any of them again. So kind of a tough time, a challenging time. Um, overall, we loved our time in the military, but we're very thankful when it ended and I got out. I wanted to be a father. I wanted to be present with my family, to, to be a part of raising them and, and helping them out and everything. And so when uh, time for my contract was up, we opted not to renew, and I got out in 2012. Um, at that point, we were living on the family farm, which... I had decided after, after being gone with the military, I decided, hey, that's going to be great. I love being at home a lot and being able to work a farm. Um, I, I got a job working in a factory. We got really involved in our church there. Um, I ended up doing a couple other jobs, uh, got my insurance licenses and all kinds of different things. And uh, like I said, we were really involved in our church. I became a Sunday school teacher and then got to do... Um, Sunday school superintendent. They ultimately called me as an associate pastor. And through all of those things that were going on, God really uh, directed us to be like, okay, Isaac, I want you to continue your education for full-time ministry. Um, Life is for service, no matter what we're doing, no matter where we're at. But there are times in which God calls individuals to a specific full-time ministry. And so I decided that it was a good idea to continue my education and go to seminary. So um, because of technology and the area that we're living in, I'm like, okay, hey, I can still live on the family farm and do all of those things and attend seminary. I can do the online uh, process. Well, it was about two weeks into the first semester that I decided online school was not for me, not something I could do. And this was really, really hard for me because I wanted to stay home. I wanted to be there on the family farm. Um, but God laid it on my heart that, no, we'd need to move and attend seminary in person. And that was tough for me. Um, I'll, I'll admit, I struggled with that. I kind of argued with God a little bit. Like, I, but, but, but I don't want to go. I, I like it here. I want to stay where I am. Well, long story short, God went out. And one morning... Um, after, I think it was after taking care of the pigs, I went in and uh, told my wife, like, hey, um, I don't know how you're, what, what you'll think of this, but I think God really wants us to move and for me to attend seminary in person. She kind of looked over at me like, yeah, I know. I was just waiting for God to get it through to you because <laughs> she's, she's pretty smart. She's pretty attuned to what God wants, and I'm the hard-headed one, so it took me a while. But uh, we ended up moving uh, right before Christmas of 2019. We moved to, or no, sorry, 2015. We moved to Scranton, Pennsylvania, and uh, I started the spring semester at um, Baptist Bible Seminary out there. Uh, that was a, a challenging time, but a great time. I was full-time student, full-time working at Olive Garden, um, and we got involved in a small church plant out there uh, called New Life Baptist Church. They, were, they had been in existence for a while, but they had just purchased their first building, and they were just getting ready to call their first full-time pastor uh, in that new building. And so with the, um, with the core group, we were able to get involved, and I was able to partner with Pastor, pastor Curtis and uh, learn a lot of the ins and outs of small church, church startups, things like that. 
Um, and it was, a, it was a great opportunity. It was, it was crazy busy because of all the things that were going on. But it was also a great time where God was able to bring us together as a family, develop us in this idea of living our lives in complete and total service to him, uh, no matter what, no matter where, anytime, any place, whatever, we were ready to serve God. Well, as I was getting ready to graduate, um, we were looking at, at options and, you know, a new graduate coming out of seminary, lots of opportunities, lots of possibilities. Every single door was slamming shut. I, was, I tried to go back into the military as a chaplain, um, and I talked to an Air Force recruiter, because I was done with the Army. Love them, but it was time to move on. Tried the Air Force, and they were like, yeah, we are understaffed by like 30%. We need more chaplains. This is going to be great. Send us your information. Send it in. Didn't hear a thing from them. Same thing with the Navy. I got a hold of them. They were like, yes, we are, we're understaffed by like 40%. We really need more chaplains. That's great. Send us your information. Send it in. Hey, when are you going to send us your information? Well, I already did, but I'll send it again. Hey, send us your information. I, I did twice. Why didn't you? Okay. And then nothing. Nothing at all. And, and those doors were just slamming shut. Well, come to find out, my wife had been praying that we wouldn't go back into the military. <clears throat> God, God listened to her prayers, uh, which ultimately was a good thing. I'm, I'm thankful for it. But um, I looked at, at, I mean, just all kinds of different ideas and possibilities, and every door closed except for one that I'd been knocking on since I was a teenager back at 14 when God first got a hold of my heart and a hold of my life, and uh, there was an opportunity to go back to Whispering Winds Bible Camp and to be the camp director out there. And so I got really excited, and uh, God opened that door, and we were able to spend the last uh, three, almost four years in mid-Missouri at a youth summer camp. Uh, Whispering Men's Bible Camp was a great opportunity for us. It was also a lot of challenges, Um, and I'll tell the stories on that uh, at some other point, but ultimately we did have some conflict and difference of opinion and direction, and so we decided, you know, it's, it's best for us to go ahead and move on and find a different ministry. Um, and it was at that point that God brought you all into our lives. And uh, starting, well, we made a trip out here in October, and we got to meet many of you, and that was a wonderful experience. Um, but as we were looking and trying to figure things out, we knew that, that even prior to that, God was getting things set up for what we needed to do. Like I said, um, your leadership, the, the deacons have been working very hard, praying and and trying to seek God's will. And God's timing, once again, was just perfect. And he brought us together, and we were able to, to go through the process. And uh, that was really, really exciting. And now we get to be a part of Cascade Bible Church. So we're really excited to join with you guys. So that's a little bit about who I am. Well, what about you? Who are you? If you next slide. As, as I was looking and trying to figure out where were we supposed to go? Um, I started off as a, as a uh, whatever generation I am, I'm used to the internet. I started off looking you guys up online. And I found your website. And uh, this is on the About page. If you've not looked at your own website, I highly recommend it. It's got great information. It's really cool stuff. There were several things that really stood out to me as I started looking. First and foremost, um, on, the, on the homepage, when you look up Cascade Bible Church, the first thing that you see, it says, Jesus is the greatest. 
I'm like, yeah, I agree. That's, that's good. Uh, Jesus is who he said he is. Also true. I like that. He is God's son. Right from the get-go, that's very, very vital and important information. And so I was really excited about that. Um, in, in all of the, well, yeah, it's, you can't read it because it's really small print. Just look up the website. It's, it's there. In this section about we love Jesus, that's what it says. That's what it talks about. Um, and so that focus on Christ is very, very important. And then we sing, we pray, and we learn uh, recognizes that music is there as part of worship to focus our hearts and our minds on Christ. And that really stood out to me because there's a lot of churches that try to use music as, as hype and as all kinds of other things. And yet the reason that we sing is not for us to, to get to attend a free concert where they perform and we just sit and watch. It's for us to be entering into worship of the God of the universe. And when I, when I read that and when I saw that, I'm like, yeah, that's, that's good. I'm glad that this church recognizes that. Um, the next section talks about kids. And I, I thought that that was really cool, that parents are responsible for training and developing and helping their kids, but that the church can help with that. Um, a lot of, lot of churches now, a lot of the, the modern ones are like, let's get the kids out of the way and send them off to, to do something else so that we can do church. I'm like, that's, that's not good. Now, obviously, kids at different levels and different ages have different needs and different structures, and I, I get that, but the parents are the ones who are ultimately responsible for raising their kids and for teaching them and helping them to understand who Christ is, what the church is, how to understand and how to study the Bible, and so how can the church assist in that? Now, obviously, I'm putting a whole lot more than what this one little paragraph says, but the way that it was phrased and the things that I, I was seeing from that and, and from some of the conversations that we started having and such really made me interested in this church. Um, and then the last section, the community idea, the church is not the building, but the people. And that's, that's really important that we understand and, and are aware. We use the building to help us build the people. And so we recognize that we are the church. Um, additionally, in the mission statement, it says to follow Jesus passionately and to take the Bible seriously. Now, that summed up what I had been trying to teach the kids that were working at Whispering Winds, um, to love Jesus, love his word, and love his people. Our mission statement here is to follow Jesus passionately and take the Bible seriously. And I really, really liked that. I liked that the two were so similar and that um, it, was, it, it had kind of become my mantra. I mean, that was something that I would say over and over to the kids, like love Jesus, love his word, love his people. When, when you had a kid that was just grating on your nerves and getting hard to, to deal with, love Jesus, love his word, love his people. When you're tired of the sermons and the, the lessons and over and over, love Jesus, love his word, love his people. When you're just tired and worn out, working at camp can be challenging. It's long days, it's hard. Love Jesus, love his word, love his people. Well, as we began talking with the leadership, uh, my wife Tiffany and I just felt more and more like this was the place that we could continue to serve and continue to be 
a part of. And so uh, we were really looking forward to being able to come out for a visit. And we came out, like I said, in October. And uh, the things that really stood out to me were the love for the Word of God. Uh, that's, that is a distinctive of this church, that you love God's Word. That's very important, and that's very good, and it showed to us over and over and over again. Another thing that really stood out was prayer, that you value prayer. And then the third thing was what I'm going to call lifestyle Christianity. That it's not just things that you hear, but you actually put it into practice, and you started doing those things. Um, while we were out here, we had the opportunity to join in a work day. And it, the, the people who were able to show up, first of all, it wasn't just two or three people. There were a lot of people who showed up. Now, I know some people had jobs that didn't allow them to be here and different things like that. But the ones who came, it wasn't, oh, drudgery here. I have to go serve the church. It was, it was a joy to work together, to be a part of that fellowship. And that is seeing Christ not only change you, but change your attitudes and the way that you live and what you do. And so that was really, really exciting to us. Um, <clears throat> I can't tell you how many people were, were incredibly generous to us. They invited us out to meals. They brought us food. Um, just the opportunity to get to know people while we were visiting was, was really great. And even since then, uh, when we moved in, there was a, well, there were all kinds of, of cool things, but when we got into the house, they, the ladies had set up the, uh, where do you put food? Pantry, thank you. They had set up the pantry, and the pantry was fully stocked. Now, you'll, you'll get to know me a little bit, and you'll know that I love food. I think that, that food is a love language. Um, <clears throat> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. And so, uh, being honest, when I opened that pantry, because I'd gotten there, and we were unloading everything and, and whatnot, and I just happened to open it, and I'm like, there's food. This is cool. And it almost brought me to tears. I mean, I was excited. This is good stuff. And not only that, not only that, uh, on, on the countertop, there was a coffee pot with coffee right next to it. Thank you very much. <clears throat> um, because, because they wanted to take care of us. They loved us. And they wanted to welcome us. And that, that meant so much to me. So, so thank you very much. I know I've said thank you a few times, but thank you very much for that. Okay, enough buttering up. Those were all the good things. That's great. Because we love Jesus, because we take his words seriously, we need to not rest on those, rest on our laurels. I mean, that's, that's all stuff that's in the past. I saw all of that, and it was really cool. It was really exciting. But it's, it's easy to start off and put on a, a, a good face. That's why I'm saying, hey, come back next Sunday and you'll hear what my preaching's really like and how terrible it can be or good it can be. I don't know which. We'll see. And the Sunday after and the Sunday after because we can't rest on our laurels. We need to look, for it, look to the future. Um, so, because we are a church that loves the Word of God, that's where we need to go. Let's open God's Word into Acts chapter 2. Now, back in 1961, no, I wasn't born yet, but I hear stories, I hear tales. In 1961, there was a famous individual who made a very famous statement. If you're a sports fan at all, you'll, you'll recognize the phrase, this is a football. You guys remember that, anybody? Vince Lombardi, one of the greatest uh, 
professional football coaches of all time. His team had lost in the fourth quarter of the championship game. So all of the offseason, everybody's like, hey, we've got we've to go on to, to the next big thing. We've got to figure out the next best play. We're going to find this, this trick play that will win it for us next time. And they walk into spring training, and all of these big burly guys who've been playing professional football for quite a while, Vince Lombardi stands up, and he holds up a football. He says, this is a football. And he took them back to basics. The most, the most basic principles such as what the ball was that they were using. And that through all spring training, they went with just the basics. Now, I like things that are simple. Um, I'm not really all that complicated. I'm not all that smart. I like it when scripture is just, here's, here's the simple way to understand it. And I think that this passage is one of those back to basics of what is a church. So as we, as we go into this idea of, of introductions, I've told you who I am and my past, and I've talked a little bit about the church, and you guys know the history of the church and where you guys have come from. But as we are starting in on this new chapter where God has brought us together, I want to kind of lay the foundation and let it be known, this is what my intentions are. This is where, where we're looking and where we're going. And I think that it starts right with Scripture. Now, Peter, in, in Acts chapter 2, Peter had just gotten done preaching on the day of Pentecost, right? And this is what happens next. Starting off in verse 42, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together. (laughs) Caught me by surprise there, sorry. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The first idea, the key point that we pull out of this is that they devoted themselves. Um, the, the NASB has it a little bit differently. They were continually devoting themselves. It wasn't just that they did it one time, but they continued to put their focus on certain things. See, this idea of, of being a Christian, of being a follower of Christ, it's not just that one time. It's that we continually devote ourselves or put our focus on doing something. And as we continue through the passage, we'll see these four things. But the, as, I, as I was thinking about that, I'm like, you know, we see this happen in the world around us a lot. We see, like, sports fans. Have you ever watched a fanatic, a, a fan of sports they like know all of the details and all of the stats and everything that there is to know about their favorite team. Or, or maybe uh, the politically astute who know every member of Congress or every member of the House and Senate of their state. Or you know, They focus on that and they learn about it and they get involved in it. Or, I mean, I was even thinking of like parents. You ever gone into a store 
and you watch parents, I, I mean, I'm a parent with some small kids, I've caught myself doing this, and you're walking along, and, and one of your kids is talking to you. What's the difference between when they're, they're talking and you're like, well, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, I got to go get the grapes and the milk and the cheese and the this and that, and, or when you turn and you focus on them and you listen to them and hear what they have to say. That's this idea of being devoted, of being focused on these things that, that they did. They turned and they gave their attention. Now, obviously, here as a church, we love for visitors, we love for anybody to come in. You're welcome to come in and hang out and be a part of, of the service. But the reality is that the follower of Christ devotes themselves. It's more than just a Sunday morning thing. It's a continuous thing, as we're going to find out to devote ourselves to these things that come along. It requires a commitment and a dedication. What did they devote themselves to? Well, first of all, we see that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Um, turn with me. We're, we're going to jump around a little bit, but keep a finger here in Acts because this is where we're, we're going to end up most of our time. Second uh, Peter chapter 1. In Second Peter we find out a little bit about what some of the apostles' teaching was and was about. If I can get my pages to turn. There we go. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 16 through 21 says, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when we received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention as a light shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone else's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This is Peter, the one who had just got done preaching that day of Pentecost. And it says that the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Well, what was it that the apostles were teaching? First and foremost, they were teaching Christ, that Christ had come that he had given his life for them. We call it the gospel. Beyond that, they were preaching, they were teaching the word, the scriptures. Their focus was on the word of God. They told what God had done in their own lives, and they taught the scriptures. Now, that's what we need to focus on. That's what we need to be devoted to. And as I mentioned, one of the things that stood out to me as we were looking at this church was the fact that you guys are already doing that. That's good. But just because you've done it in the past doesn't mean that we can stop now. It's a foundational, it's a basic thing. We need to keep our focus on the Word of God. I'm, I'm pretty confident that everybody agrees that that is the goal, that that's what we want to continue to do. So let's move on to what the next thing that they, it says that they devoted themselves to. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. Now, what comes to mind when I say fellowship? Food. I agree. What else? Huh? Church. Okay. I won't find food lacking. 
Good. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. But when, when I was growing up, I grew up in a classic Baptist, Baptistic type church. And we had a, a phrase, a saying, a joke. When Baptists meet, Baptists eat. Because you just are always having a fellowship, a potluck, pot providence, pot blessing. Call it whichever you want. I typically call it a carry-in because everybody carries in, and you always like to see the little old ladies and what they'd carry in, and there's the best. And Anyway, that's what I think of when I think of fellowship, typically. I don't think that that's what they're talking about. Not quite. It's, it's not about the food, though I love food. It's not about the food. It's about an association. You start digging into what this word is, and it's the idea that they got together, they associated together, they were in partnership. The idea is they didn't go alone. They connected together. See, in the world around us, it's very easy to think, oh, I got saved, and now I'm doing my own thing. And unfortunately, with everything that's happened recently in the world around us, a lot of Christians are like, well, I can just watch online, and that's great. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm so thankful that we have technology and that people can watch online. But the idea is as much as possible, they associated together. For us, part of that's like admitting that you're a part of Cascade Bible Church, that, that you know, taking the name of Cascade, and yeah, I'm, I'm one of them. I'm one of those people, which sometimes, I, I don't know, I'm new to the community. I haven't heard too much yet, but sometimes that can be a bad thing. Oh, well, that's where they're, they're this or that or these things, or sometimes that's a great thing. But that association together, that partnership together. Like I said, I got to be a part of the, uh, the work day, and all of the guys got together, and we were, we were just out working to, together, making things happen. That's the idea of fellowship, not just the food. Though I, I think we did have lunch afterwards, didn't we? Yeah, well, minor detail. It's not just the food. It's that association, that being together. The first one is really easy. In, in the past, Pastor Jack preached the word. If you've not gone back and listened to some of those sermons, they are all online, uh, sermonaudio.com, or just go to the Cascade Bible Church website, and they're right there. I encourage you to. There's, there's some solid preaching in there. There's no reason you can't go back and listen to those again. The word has been preached. That one's really, really easy. I think that this second one, this idea of fellowship, can be more challenging at times because sometimes people are hard to get along with. I know I can be. Um, and there will be challenges. There will be difficulties. I guarantee you I'm going to mess something up and I'm going to make somebody mad. And from the get-go, I want to apologize for that because I didn't mean to. Whatever it will be, because I know that I will. I may misspeak. I may, I, who knows? But this idea of partnering together, of associating together, of fellowshipping together, is that we're able to deal with some of those challenges and that in the love of Christ, because we love Jesus, love his word, and love his people, that we work together to overcome those things. We're not going to get along perfectly. In fact, if you read forward in the book of Acts, just a couple of chapters later, they already have fights and issues and things going on. But how did they deal with it? Well, they partnered together and they sought to accomplish God's design. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and they devoted themselves. They were intently focused on fellowship, fellowshipping together. It doesn't end there, though. The next one, 
is breaking of bread. So this is part of where I get the idea that fellowship isn't just about the food. They devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine, to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread. Now, I started uh, digging into this one, and I'll admit it's a little bit of a challenge. The words themselves mean breaking of bread. I know that it's a figure of speech of some kind. And so I did what I would encourage anyone else to do. Read the passage, look at the context, try and figure it out. I'm stumped. I'm going to start looking to others and try and find out some other ideas. And so I, I started looking up others and come to find out nobody else really knows for sure what it is. There are two main options. Uh, it could refer to common meals. It could also refer to the Lord's Supper. And either of those is used in Scripture in other places and other ways. And so it could be either of those. Most of the commentaries that I looked at kind of indicated that it was one or the other because of what they wanted it to mean. Um, a lot of people focus on the idea of the Lord's Supper as a way in which God gives grace and you have to do, they, they call it the Eucharist, you have to take that in order to be saved. Well, that's not true. And therefore, it doesn't have to be this. But um, as you start digging in, it's kind of, a, kind of a different one. One thing that you need to know about me is I don't know everything. And honestly, I couldn't figure out one or the other that it had to be. There's really no reason that it couldn't be both. The idea that they broke bread, meaning a common meal, they would get together in fellowship and have a pot blessing and have a carrion and be able to break bread together in that way is something that they could do. And in fact, as you read the context and look forward in this, it seems that that's what they did a lot. Nothing wrong with that. Additionally, we, we are commanded that when we gather together and have and do in remembrance of Christ when we take the Lord's Supper, that that is something that we're supposed to do and it's important to do. And so because Christ set the example, and Paul talks about that in other passages as well, because that was something of importance, they made it a point to do that. They devoted themselves to following God's command in that way. It could be either one. I tend to land on it's probably both. That, that they ate meals together and they fellowshiped together and they worked together and they had a common connection together over the breaking of bread as well as observing this ordinance or this idea that they had the Lord's Supper and they remembered his death until he was to come again. Either way, um, there's nothing in the, the passage itself that dictates it has to be one or the other and I think that both is a good example of what we as followers of Christ can do as we devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching, as we devote ourselves to the fellowship, as we devote ourselves to the breaking of bread. But additionally, they did one more thing. They devoted themselves to prayer. Now, one of the things that really stood out to me about this church was that focus on prayer. Uh, I, I have not been to another church that makes it a point every Sunday morning to break apart into the small groups and spend time in prayer. Now, I have been to churches where they have a Wednesday night prayer service, or maybe they'd have one guy, uh, I remember particularly as a kid, one guy would get up and he would pray and pray and pray and pray. And as a kid, I always thought that was kind of long. But prayer is very, very important. But one thing that you guys do, that we as a church do, is 
spend some dedicated time every Sunday focused on prayer. We actually meet before service, before Sunday school, to have some time of prayer in the, the back room as well. And then during service, we spend some time in prayer. And all throughout um, this evening, the men are going to get together and we're going to have some time for discipleship and prayer. There's men's prayer breakfast that comes around periodically. There's all kinds of opportunities to pray. Now, I'll admit, this is one of those things that it baffles me. It challenges me. Why in the world would the God of the universe, the creator of all things, care one whit what Isaac Jack has to say? Or any of you, for that matter. I mean, he's, he's awesome. He's powerful. He's all-knowing. He already knows what I'm going to pray for. He's all-powerful. He's going to do whatever he's going to do, regardless of what I have to say. And yet, he says, Isaac, I want you to pray. I want you to pray to me. I want you to spend time communing with me. He says that to each of us. I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand it. And yet, he does. We have a tendency to wait until we're at wit's end. Or at least I do. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you are more spiritual or better at this than I am. But personally, I have a tendency to wait until I'm at wit's end. And then, oh yeah, I need to talk to God about this. I'm working on it. I'm getting better about it. But it's really easy to allow ourselves to get to the end of our rope and then turn to God. And yet here we see that, that these believers, they dedicated themselves. They devoted themselves to prayer. That's something that this church has done and, and I hope to continue to do and to develop. As a result, or based on those, we get to verse 43. Verse 43 says, And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. The result of this was that awe or fear. Now, fear in the Bible is one of those really neat things. As, as you start digging into this and looking at this idea of awe, it's, it's not just like trembling in fear because you're scared or afraid of something. Uh, Mark records when Jesus was on the seas and he, he was in a boat and the seas were tossing and turning and everybody was terrified. And he gets up and he says, peace, be still. And the seas calm. And it, the Mark 40 or 4.41 says, that the disciples were in awe of him. They were amazed. They were in fear of him as well because who else has the power over the seas to, to make them calm? Or in Luke chapter 2, actually we're going to see this in a couple of weeks, where the angels come and announce that, the, that Christ was coming and declared the arrival of him. It says that the people were in awe of that. Or Luke chapter 5 when Jesus says, your sins are forgiven, take up your bed and walk. And what happened? The guy, the lame man, took up his bed and he walked. And the people were in awe of that. They were shocked. They were amazed. Well, same idea here. They were in fear, but not, not a fear like terror, but a fear of, of just reverence. When we understand who God is, and what he's doing, when we spend time studying God's word, when we devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the prayers, and to the breaking of bread, we will be in awe, and we will see God at work. Now, 
It does mention that uh, many signs and wonders were being done, but you'll notice it was being done through the apostles. We don't have apostles today, which means don't be expecting the signs and wonders and all of that type of stuff. That was for them. But in a different way, God is still at work. And we should be in awe when we see God at work around us. When, when someone gets saved, wow, that's amazing. We ought to, to stand in awe of that because the God of the universe loved them enough to give his only begotten, his precious son for them. That should put us in, in reverence, in awe of who God is. Or when God answers our prayers, sometimes we think of that as kind of shocking. Like, wait, he, he heard me and he did something. Well, yeah, he said he would. And we should stand in awe of God at work. Because they were in awe, they did certain things. We get to verse 44 and 45. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Now, I've heard it said that pure Christianity is pure pure common pure Christianity is pure communism. And I disagree. I don't think that that's a, a correct or an accurate association. Um, you spend some time doing some study. You look down into Second Thessalonians. We're not going to take the time to go there, but Second Thessalonians 3, verses 6 through 15, kind of give the counter to that. Uh, it talks about being lazy and, and depending on everybody just because you don't want to work and things like that. It has a lot of issues there. The idea, though, is that they took care of one another. This is one of those where there's a balance is required between how we take care of each other and how we rely on each other and things like that. But the goal, what they were doing, was taking care of each other. Now, I I already gave you the example. The ladies' group stocked us up with food, and uh, not only that, they actually gave to each of the kids a, a blanket and a pair of gloves, and I don't remember what all else, but they took really good care of us when we arrived. And that was, that was really special. Um, I, I got a present too. My present was a shovel that said, you asked for it, or you, you asked for this snow, you wanted this snow, something like that. You know, that's all right. Uh, but the, the idea here is that they took care of one another. Now, there is a balance there, and, and you know, maybe sometime we'll take a look at Second Thessalonians 3 that deals with some of those things. But the idea is that, that they had, uh, as we see in verse 46, glad and generous hearts. That their attitude was one of generosity, to care for one another, to take care of one another. It says in verse 46, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. As a result of the fact they had devoted themselves, dedicated themselves, focused themselves on the word of God, attending to the, the apostles' teachings, on the fellowship, on their association as the church, that they had given themselves to prayer, and um, that they had devoted themselves to the breaking of bread together, the result of that is that people saw it. It changed the way that they acted. It changed who they were. And outsiders even began to see that and to recognize that something was going on. Something was different. 
They were praising God, and as a result, they had favor with all the people. Finish out verse 47 then. It says, And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. When the church did what the church was responsible for, God took action, and people got saved. And as we head into this next phase, not only just next year, because we're coming up on the end of the year, but also this next phase with me as the pastor here, when we as a church do what God expects us to do, when we focus on the Word of God, when we spend time in prayer, when we associate together as the body of Christ, and when we break bread together, God is going to work. Notice it's, it's the Lord added. He's the one who did the work. We have a responsibility to do, to do what we can do. We need to share the gospel with those we meet. We need to interact with the community around us, etc. But when we do what God has called us to do, God gets to work and he adds those who are to be saved. And he will add to the church the ones that he desires to be here. Now, obviously, we would love to see hundreds and thousands of people, the entire community of Lapine, to get saved and come be a part of Cascade Bible Church. Is it going to happen? I, I don't know. That's up to God. Our responsibility, though, is to do these things, to do these four things, to serve the Lord with gladness and to praise him when he works, when he does what he's going to do. Practical application. What, is, what does all this mean? I've, I've said it before. I'm going to continue to say it. I believe that when we come to Scripture, we should expect it to change us. So just because we, we understand what it says doesn't mean we can stop there. So what does this mean to me? How do I apply this? Well, I think you'll understand that already the church is doing many of these things. And that's really exciting. I love to see it. I'm excited for it. Individually, I don't know everybody yet. I look forward to getting to know you. Like I said, my wife and I, once we get settled and, and everything, probably starting next year, we're, we want to have you over and get to know you, etc. So I'm not pointing at anybody and being like, oh, well, you haven't been involved in this or you didn't come to that. But there are all kinds of ways that you can get involved in the church. Um, there's, there's men's groups and there's ladies' groups and there's evening Bible studies and there's morning breakfast Bible study opportunities. And if none of those work, if you're like, you know, legitimately, I want to be there and I can't, let me know. We'll figure out something because we need to associate together as the church. But whatever it is, however it is, are you individually being involved in this church? Are you fellowshipping and associating with us? Are you studying God's word, not just what the speaker preaches about on Sunday morning, but at other times and other opportunities? Are you devoting yourself like a fanatic who, who studies and learns and understands everything about their sports team or political group or whatever it is, are you focused on the Word of God? Do you spend time in prayer? It's difficult. It's challenging. I, I know it. And yet we have an opportunity. We're called to it. We're directed to it. And we can devote ourselves to prayer. When we were in here in October, we saw a lot of these things already happening as a church. I want to encourage you in, as an individual to continue those things. Clearly, I'm not Pastor Jack. He's, he's a different guy. I do things differently. Um, 
but there will be other things that I do exactly the same, that I, I draw on his wisdom. I've already asked him to continue to teach the Wednesday nights because I look forward to studying more in Revelation. If you're not part of that, by all means, come out Wednesday nights. It's a deep dive into the book of Revelation. Um, I've asked Jim to continue doing Sunday school, at least for this point. Um, as a church, there will always be challenges. There will always be things that we can develop and that we can get better at. Um, there's the ladies' groups are already happening, the men's groups. Uh, with more teens and kids, I look forward to redeveloping some of the, the youth activities and opportunities. Whatever it is, I'm excited and I'm confident that we as a church are going to have a great ministry to Lapine and the surrounding area and ultimately to the world around us. But that's going to take all of us, not just me, but each one of us devoting ourselves to these four things, to prayer, to living life together, to our fellowship, to our association, and to the Word of God, first and foremost. I want to encourage you to join me as... Already we're well positioned, but we're getting ready to take the next step of following Jesus passionately and taking the Bible seriously. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you that you've given us your word, that we can study it, that we can be challenged by it. Lord, I help, pray that you would help us to allow it to work in us. Lord, there, there are these different ways in which we can devote ourselves to you. And Lord, as each one of us examines for ourselves areas that we can improve, I pray that you would help us to take steps to do that. If we don't spend time in your word, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to, to dedicate ourselves to time in your word. If we only show up once in a while, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to dedicate ourselves to associating, to fellowshipping together. Lord, I know prayer is challenging, and yet you have promised that you hear our prayers and you act based on them which amazes me, astounds me, but Lord, you love us and you want to hear from us. So Lord, help us to dedicate ourselves to prayer. Fathers, you've brought us to a new chapter in the church here. I pray that you would help us to step out in faith, to step out boldly, looking forward to seeing what you have in store for us. Lord, help us to devote ourselves to you first and foremost above all else. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.